The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. And as we delve into this week's topic, a reminder that some of the content may be of a sensitive nature. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. Well, welcome to this week's Momentum. Once again, it is uh, Tim and Dez with you as we embark on another show. And uh, so great to have you tuning in. We really appreciate you doing that. MomentumAustralia.org, of course, is our website. Wherever you are around the nation, you can tap into the website and have a look around, uh, well, essentially what this whole Momentum thing is. Who are these people that are talking to you right now and what are we helping to achieve? You can check it out at the website, MomentumAustralia.org. And of course, another key feature which we've introduced in the last few months, which I'll let my co-host and good friend Des tell you about in just a tick, but uh, the Momentum care line, which we are absolutely thrilled about. And Des, my friend, as we throw to you, how are you this week? Like I'm really good, as as always, you know, the older you get, the the more bits to sort of fall apart, but hey, I'm doing good. We talk about it every week. It's our care line. We are blessed to have a Momentum care line, and the number is one 800 men That's one 800 636 And this service is provided as a ministry by our friends at Caroline Connections. And you can call them anytime between 9 and 11 p.m. So it's 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., seven days a week, one 800 men so it's really a blessing that we have that service. Yeah. And, you know, we at Momentum, we're all about getting guys connected and having conversations, mm. right? Conversations about some of the icky stuff in life as well. And if that's perhaps where you find yourself right now, there's some stuff going on for you. And you look around and you go, yeah, I'm not sure that I, they're the right people to speak to. Um, get on the blower, one eight hundred triple zero six three six. 636 Reach out to the guys at uh, the Momentum Care Line. You know, we are in the lead up to Easter, which is, of course, an incredibly significant time on the, the Christian calendar. That can sometimes get lost, though, can't it, in hot cross buns, Easter eggs, chocolate bunnies, and, of course, the long weekend. And, and it's amazing that, you know, hot cross buns now appear immediately after Christmas. It's just bizarre. Uh but while the long weekend is a great opportunity to spend time with family and friends, and we all enjoy doing that, it's also an incredible opportunity to consider and think deeply about what is the real story behind Easter. Yeah, to give us some further insight, uh, the true meaning of Easter, we're joined by a good friend and pastor of Woodville Baptist Church in Perth, Pastor Rob Furlong, back on the show. Welcome back to Momentum, mate. Thanks, Tim. Nice to see you. Great to see you too, Des. Good to be back. So, I mean, it is true. Um, Christmas is finished, and then all of a sudden on Boxing Day, the uh, the hot cross buns appear in, in the supermarkets. Let, <laughs> let's actually start there, though, because, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know the backstory, but the hot cross buns, the chocolate bunnies, you know, the eggs, all of the other side of Easter that we're familiar with, and let's be honest, it's quite tasty, but where did that all come from? How along the way did those creep into the traditions of Easter? I don't know how far back hot cross buns go, but I think hot cross buns was actually introduced uh, out of the Christian tradition. Yeah. And obviously the cross symbolizes the cross. So mm. the story I heard, which is like a long time ago, was, you know, it came about, I think, through a baker or bakeries in England. And it was just, I, I, think, I think hot cross buns were reserved only for Good Friday. 
Des, you might. No, I don't. I don't know. Truly, I don't know. I was just thinking with your background in um, uh, Great Britain. Thought you were meaning because he's older. No, uh, yeah. no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see why you would take it that way. But no. <laughs> my, under- my understanding was the hot cross buns were only baked and given on Good Friday. Now, now as you, we said before, they start out on yeah, uh, Boxing, on Boxing Day. Day. I think the sad part about that is is that we don't. You know, we, we we're not really good at contemplating a season, are we? In our society, we we go mm. bang, Christmas is done. Well, now it's on to hot cross buns, and we're just yeah. not even through the season. For mm. goodness' sakes, let's just mm. try and contemplate. But yeah, hot cross buns, I think, came from a really good point of view. Yeah, how did bunnies and eggs get into uh, the Easter tradition? Uh, because going back uh, to pagan festivals, uh, when gods and goddesses were all the rage in the Roman Empire, there was a festival called Eosta. Hmm. Obviously, that we get our, our word Easter from that. It was a pagan fertility cult that uh, came about to celebrate spring. So you've gone through the deadness of winter, and the hmm. idea is that spring is rebirth. Hmm. And so the goddess Eosta was a fertility goddess, and bunnies were in there because, as I read in an article, they breed like rabbits. So that's the whole idea of fertility. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> um, and eggs, again, symbols of new life. Uh, at some point, when the Christian church began to hold greater dominance, what they did, and I think they did it for very good reasons, was they took the festivals of Eosta and the, the festival of, that is now Christmas, and they took it and thought, instead of celebrating pagan stuff, let's celebrate Christianity. Now, I would suspect, I would suspect that the early Christians that did that didn't embrace the whole Easter bunny rubbish that's come mm. about. Eggs and mm. new life, I can understand. Mm. Though I can see them, say, yes. I can see them saying, "Here's a symbol of new life." But some Christians will say they'll have nothing to do with Easter. They'll have nothing to do with Christmas. And I'm saying, no, hang on. Actually, mm. what the church was trying to do was to redirect people towards Jesus. Mm. Are there some stuff that's crept in that? You know, it's rubbish. Yes, but I think that's our role as as Christians is to help people say, here's what Easter's about. Mm. Here's why we do certain things. And in the Coptic Church anyway, they, on Easter Sunday, because they practice Lent, period of fasting, and often what people are denied of, deny themselves of, is eggs. On Easter Sunday, the mm. priest mm. hands out coloured eggs. Ah, oh. Oh, that's interesting. Breaking the fast. Mm. I saw that years yeah. ago and I thought, what a wonderful idea. Handing out an egg, symbol yeah. of new life, breaking the fast. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. I have no dramas with that. Let's get into the meaning of Easter. And you, you're going to take us to Psalm 22, I think it is, Rob, to start off. Absolutely. So in a nutshell, and, and particularly for anybody who might be listening who is not really familiar with the story of Easter from the Christian perspective, mm. Uh, and, and as you've referred to mm. here, the true story of Easter, it, it, it revolves around two great significant, well, three significant events. The first is Good Friday, what we call Good Friday, when Jesus is crucified on the cross. The second great mm. event is he's buried in a tomb that was borrowed. It was a rich man's tomb. And the third great event is that on the Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. And when I say rose from the dead, and we'll talk about that in a moment uh, or later in the program, I'm saying a physical bodily resurrection. It's not a spiritual resurrection. It's not this Mm -hmm. idea that Jesus is alive in my heart and I'll carry on the message of Jesus because that actually in hindsight and through history won't wash. But it's those three events. Uh, We begin with the crucifixion. So Psalm 22, Mm. which is where I would encourage people who are familiar with the Bible or even if you're not, 
try and get your hands on Psalm 22. It consists of 31 verses. It's written by King David, and the staggering thing about this this passage, Psalm 22, is that it was written a thousand years before Jesus walked on the earth. Mm. And yet, here's the interesting thing, is it staggeringly predicts crucifixion. Mm. And the interesting thing about that is, is that David, when he wrote this a thousand years before Christ walked on the earth, didn't know what crucifixion was. He didn't even know what it looked like. (laughs) Crucifixion was not introduced into Israel until centuries later. So when David wrote this, he had no idea what crucifixion was. Uh, History tells us that. Crucifixion was uh, created by the Phoenicians, and the Romans, being the Romans, perfected it and took it to an art form. But David did not know what crucifixion was, and as we'll see as we get into this, he accurately describes what a crucifixion is. Mm. First thing, Psalm 22 begins, it it grabs your attention. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. It's obviously a psalm of lament, Mm. and David is talking about Mm. his own situation, but it has prophetic overtones. So the first statement is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Mm. What do we discover when Jesus is on the cross? Mm. You read the Gospels. When he cries, there comes a point when the darkness is over the land and Jesus mm. cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, now, of course, obviously Jesus knew that scripture, but I think there's this prophetic overtone here that when David writes it, it's all part of this great eternal plan of God. And it's mm. prefiguring for us the sense of abandonment that Jesus had when mm. he was on the cross. Mm. We'll ask the, we'll answer the question in a moment, why did he feel that way? Yeah. And if people want to doubt that and say, oh, well, Jesus knew the passage, he just quoted that because he was in agony. Well, look at this. Uh, in verse 7, David says, everyone who sees me mocks me. Mm. They sneer and shake their heads. Mm. What do we read in the Gospels? Everybody who is witnessing the crucifixion, they're mocking Jesus. Uh, They're hurling abuse at Jesus. It goes further on to the psalm. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. Uh, We read of this abuse. Then it gets even more interesting. So here's where he really accurately describes crucifixion. He says, my life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. (laughs) I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Hmm. Now, what do we find happening at the cross? Let's talk about crucifixion. What happened when a person was crucified? So they're taken out to the place of execution. It was a degrading way to die. The Hmm. Romans were so, they hated it so much, despite the fact they used it. No Roman citizen would ever, if if a Roman citizen was to be executed, it would not be uh, via the cross. It was considered a shameful way to die. And and, uh, they didn't want to inflict that kind of agony on a Roman citizen. So they reserved it for criminals. What happened? Well, they took the nail spikes, which you know probably akin to the spikes you drive into railway sleepers. Mm. Uh, they were driven between the, the wrists and the feet of the victim uh, on a crossbar and an upright pole, and then they were lifted into the ground where it was thudded into the ground. Now, in this position, what happens is... Uh, 
this is incredible strain placed on your body because of the awkward position that you're in. So on the one hand, um, you hang down to get some relief in this position of hanging on the cross, but then that uh, starts all of this tightness across your chest and you find it difficult Mm. to breathe. So what you do is, because now you're finding it hard to breathe, you lift yourself up on your feet, Mm. pushing up Mm. to try and breathe. Within 6 to 12 minutes of a person being crucified, uh, your heart rate doubled. The blood flow to the body became severely constricted, so uh, sorry, became engorged. What happened was there'd be very little blood coming from the wounds, but the uh, major areas of the body would become engorged with blood, which would cause throbbing headaches. The uh, common cause of death was by asphyxiation. Mm. It was a slow and painful death that could take. Uh, it could take a few hours in the case of Christ sometimes crucified victims took four days to die oh gosh I think that there was one instance in history where it took a week it was a horrible way to die I forgot to mention that prior to crucifixion often they were scourged and the scourging which Mm. Jesus underwent was a whip many people didn't survive the scourge, but it was a whip of leather thongs that had embedded and encrusted into it bits of lead and pottery that were whipped across the back of the victim and it would just flail them alive. Mm. Often, you know, Mm. organs would be exposed. If you survive that, then you go to the crucifixion. And you you have all of this. You read that description by David. This is hundreds of years before it's seen in Israel. And he predicts it. I'm not even sure how to feel right now, just being honest. I mean, as you described that, you know, and uh, The Passion of the Christ, which I think was 2004. Yes. um, It depicts it in in greater detail visually, obviously. Uh, But just going through that and and hearing that, Rob, um, it's it's confronting, isn't it? Absolutely It's certainly confronting confronting being able to hear that. Um, Let's take a a moment. We obviously are talking about the real reason for Easter. And, uh, you know, this this is part of the story. As graphic as that is, this is part of the story. This is why it is actually so incredibly overwhelming in a, in a good and positive way that someone would do that for me personally. It is Momentum. We're going to come back with Pastor Rob Furlong in just a tick. We are talking about the real reason of Easter this week. Love you to stay tuned for the second half in just a moment. In the meantime, as we take a break, love you to check out the website too, MomentumAustralia.org, and we'll be back with Pastor Rob real soon. This is Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome back to this week's show, wherever you are around Australia. Really appreciate you tuning in to Momentum with Tim and Des. And our special guest this week is Pastor Rob Furlong. We are unpacking the true meaning of Easter beyond hot cross buns, eggs, bunnies, and of course a long weekend that we all love, let's be honest. Um, there's a there's a real deep meaning behind this in the, in the Christian calendar. And maybe for you personally, or maybe not, and that is what we're exploring this week, um, to, to actually see what this actually is. When we when we boil all of Easter back, what is it actually really all about? And Rob, we left the break with a very sobering picture of crucifixion and an emotional picture, um, particularly for those of us who have a faith, 
you know, we, we kind of know, we know the crucifixion, we read it. Of course, back in 2004, the Passion of the Christ gave us a visual as to what that looked like, and that yep. was confronting for a lot of people. But and helpful. And, and helpful, too, that's mm-hmm. right, to give us some perspective. And even just you rereading that now, uh, I don't know about you days, but that, that evokes such emotion in mm-hmm. me to go, wow, mm-hmm. when, when you realize just how profoundly uh, agonizing that would have been. Mm-hmm. As you said, even the... the the beatings and the whippings before even the crucifixion. Mm. Like, it's confronting. And, and it's true, it's particularly because you're talking about the the person who created the universe. Uh, that's the person we're talking about. And yes, Jesus was a real man, but he was a real man, the word, the guy who created, the person that created everything. And there he is in that situation. It's just unbelievable. But it is believable. So some would ask, you know, if he was the Son of God, and I think he was even taunted with this, why don't you pull yourself down off the cross? So I actually think that, well, the, the Scripture does say that, you know, he, at one point when, um, I think was it at his arrest, when he said to Peter, don't you think I could call a legion of angels hmm. to come to my aid? The reason Jesus doesn't do that is because of the purpose of the cross and what it's all about. Hmm. My personal feeling is, which is what we're about to get into, is the resurrection actually is the coming down off the cross, if you like, and I'll explain why. Because imagine this, that you're one of the people who was responsible for crucifying Jesus, and on the third day, you hear that he's raised, been raised from the dead. Peter picks up on this at the day of Pentecost, 40-odd days later, when he says, he's the son of God. And you crucified me. Hmm. You crucified him. And the crowd's response is, what will we do? All of a sudden the realization is, we just murdered the Son of God. And now he's come back from the dead. What does that? What are the implications for that? Think right. of, you know, you think about that, hmm. conquering death. Hmm. Yeah. No wonder, no wonder they were cut to the heart. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about... Just before the resurrection, let, let, let's just clarify for people then. Of course, we know that there was three days in the tomb. Mm. What happened in those three days? Ah. <laughs> so, look, there's lots of conjecture, but 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19 has this interesting little passage. It says, speaking about Jesus, it's talking about he suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Now, hmm. the, the idea, what, what, are they, what does it mean by preached? I think the best explanation is, is that there was a point in that time in the tomb where Jesus, he didn't go to preach in order to rescue or save people. He went in order to declare and announce his victory over death, sin, pain, suffering, darkness. I think that's the best way to understand that passage. Mm. So at some point, this this announcement that is made, the other thing that we do know is he says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That's referring to that day. Mm. So obviously Jesus is in paradise. There's this declaration that is made to the spirit world. That's beyond that. I think that's the best that we can say. We can't. Yeah. Can you know? There have been talks about yeah. oh, he went to hell for three days, and uh, I mm. think that that's just stretching the scripture. But the idea yeah. of the Son of God, the victorious Son of God who has conquered sin, announcing that to the spiritual powers, absolutely, I can mm. see that happening. Let's come off the back of that and go to the resurrection. Um, obviously, Mary... Um, the women go to the tomb. 
and then pick up the story from there. So let, let's talk. The first thing we have to recognise is he was actually buried in a tomb and he was dead. Mm. And there were eyewitnesses to this. So they mm. take him down off the tomb. You have the women, as you mm. mentioned. Uh, John, we know, the Apostle John was at the cross. Mary, uh, Jesus' mother was at the cross, Mary. We also know that Joseph of Arimathea provides the tomb for Jesus. And so they go and they lay him in the tomb. And so some people have said to argue against the resurrection, to to argue against the physical resurrection, oh, he didn't die. They left him in the tomb. And the coolness of the tomb and the aromatic spices revived Revived him. him. Right. Well, no. Actually, even the most... referred to as liberal scholars, even the most liberal of scholars who don't believe the resurrection, okay, they don't believe in the physical resurrection, they all agree Jesus was dead. When they look at the cross, when he, mm. what he suffered, uh, when they actually look at the medical evidence, the medical evidence suggests that Jesus literally yeah. died of a broken heart because of the the way John describes the blood and the water that flowed out. Mm. There's a particular order to it, and it suggests what happened to his heart. The the scholars agree whether they believe in the resurrection or not. He actually was dead. Right. There's no doubt about that. Right. I was just going to say when they took him off the cross and took him, you know, and put him on the ground and and put all the robes and things around them, they would have known. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They would have known that he was actually dead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this comes back, to Des, to the importance of eyewitness testimony. Yeah, exactly. We have the eyewitness testimony of the women Mm. and those who were there. Mm. It's recorded for us in the Gospels, and people say, well, you can't believe the Gospels. Well, actually, that, that is just thrown around. The evidence for the Gospels being written within less than a generation uh, John's might have been extended out because he, he was 90 when he died or something like that. But the evidence for the Gospels being produced within less than a generation of Jesus' death is overwhelming. Mm. You, pe- people mm. throw out stuff. and oh, You can't trust the, the Bible. You can't trust the Gospels because it was written 150 years after Jesus lived and all the memories are wrong. No. Where did you get that fact from? Mm. Actually go and do a little bit of research yeah. before you throw that out mm. uh, and, and have mm. a look at the evidence that supports this. Mm. And if people are wondering about that, I would recommend a book by Lee Strobel in defense of Jesus, which goes into a lot of this. Yes. An excellent resource. Good book. Mm. But coming back, the important thing is what we've got in the Gospels is eyewitness testimony. And I find myself more and more as I read the Gospels and I think about the resurrection, I ask myself, why would you make this up? Yes. If you wanted to create a religion mm. that is going to impact the world the way Christianity has impacted the world, you, you know, you might come up with some crazy cult idea that a few people follow, but look at the impact Christianity has had on the world. If you want to create uh, a religion that you want people to believe and impact the world, I think the last thing you'd be putting down is this guy rose physically from the dead three days later mm. and is still alive today. Mm. Yes, and going back to the the physical sense again, the fact that he was seen, he you know, and and all the things that happened around, you know, his you know, walking down the road with man and so forth, yeah, you know, it's just so real. So some people have said, yes, he's seen by people, we've got their testimony. But some people are saying, Oh, well they're just hallucinations. They were so emotionally yeah. distraught that they mm. hallucinated. Mm. Well, doctors will tell you that People don't share the same hallucination for a start. Mm. Mm. And one of the best evidences for this is in 1 Corinthians, Paul says he appeared to over 500 people at one time. Um, People don't mass hallucinate. That's a mass hallucination. People don't mass hallucinate. (laughs) They don't. 
they don't yeah. all have the same hallucination. Yeah. Critics have tried to pull this apart, and every time they come up with a new theory, it just doesn't hold water. Mm. In the few moments that we've got left, um, let's go to what this means for us, Rob. Because, mm. obviously, you know, the three of us on this on this call right now and in this interview and this chat, we all have a faith. It means probably quite similar things to each of us, but for each of us, it's a little different because it's personal for us, right? And we've all, we've all got sure. that. But, but generically, the cross, the death, the resurrection, what does that mean for us? In a nutshell, it means that Jesus Christ, the sinless one who never committed sin, went to the cross and paid the penalty of sin, which is death, in my place, in your place, in Des's place, in place of everybody who walks mm. this, who has walked the planet and will walk the planet and is walking the planet. He took upon himself the sin of the whole world, the innocent, pure one, the very one who need not have died. And as you said before, the creator, he takes upon himself mm. the sin of the world and God says that is sufficient to pay the penalty for sin and if you put your trust in my son, if you turn from your sin, put your trust in him, ask him to be Lord of your life, your sin is forgiven, your debt is clear, and you will spend your eternal life begins now and you will spend eternity with me. That is what the cross and the resurrection is about. And you can't have one without the other. Hmm. You you cannot just have yeah. the cross and not the resurrection. A resurrection means there has to be a death. You can't have one or the, or, hmm. or the other. But I really want to emphasize the resurrection because the resurrection, the cross, hmm. deals with the sin problem. But the resurrection is the seal on it. It is the, the sign from God that Jesus is who he is, hmm. who says he is, hmm. and he has conquered sin and death. Um, that's it for this week's show. Hey, um, we would encourage you... Uh, Reach out perhaps to somebody. Uh, maybe there's somebody in your world who you know is a Christian. Maybe you're not sure about any of this. You want to go and chat to someone like a pastor like Rob or somebody that you know can perhaps answer some of these questions or help guide you in some of this stuff. And of course, if you like, you can reach out to us at Momentum too, MomentumAustralia.org. And I wouldn't say Des and I have all the answers, but we can maybe help you or certainly point you in the right direction um, and encourage you to explore the real meaning of Easter. The hot cross buns are delicious as a chocolate. I will never turn down chocolate. Buns and eggs and bunnies and all that sort of stuff. It's wonderful. But there is such a deeper meaning to all of this and that is what we're encouraging you to explore uh, on Momentum this Easter weekend. Rob, thanks for your time today, mate. That's a really, really powerful description. And unpacking the three key parts of it and what that means to us. And we're going to get you back next week to talk on something a little lighter, but as important to your life so stay tuned for that next week in Momentum thanks guys and we'll catch you next week on Momentum in the meantime love you to check out our website MomentumAustralia.org and we'll catch you next week you've been listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life for more information or to hear this week's show again go to MomentumAustralia.org you can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org until next time keep moving forward with Momentum